I believe that this message is an answer for many of you over what's going on. What's going on with me? If you really want to go to heaven, you will have periodic times that you will do a, uh, I won't call it a self-examination, it's an examination of self by means of the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God. You, you will stop and take account. First, uh, or second Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. There, there has to be periods of time where we all stop and look at ourselves. And we say, where am I at? Where am I in this? Okay? So I'm going to read uh, several scriptures, if you would, and you're welcome to remain seated. Uh, John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, and then sound balcony, I'm going to uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. And I don't have that written out, so I'll be reading from the screen, if you don't mind. Uh, John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37, says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, uh, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read several verses here, and I'm reading from the screen, so if you'll be ready to flow with me, I'd appreciate it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through, a will, through the wilderness, through a, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passeth through and where no man dwelleth. And I brought you into a plentiful country, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal, or by the power of Baal, not my power. And walked after the things that do not profit. 
Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim, and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Verse 32, please. Just for the sake of time, skipping to verse 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. I'm preaching tonight this message, the necessity of outflow. The necessity of outflow. You can come to church every service. You can give lip service to prayer every day. You can spend a few minutes reading the Bible like you would a magazine. You can do your best to dot the I's and cross the T's on a set of rules. But none of that makes you a Christian. And none of that provides life. None of that makes you a Christian. None of that provides life. Jesus in one, one, uh, a version of the parable of the sower, talked about the seed that fell on thorny ground. And he said, thorny ground is like the seed that was sown and it grows up and it, it's trying to mature, it's trying to get ripe, but it never comes to ripeness. It never gets ripe enough that it's produced anything. And there are three reasons that prevent this maturing to ripeness, he says. Jesus said, the love of pleasure, the love of riches, and the cares of this life. I don't know what in the world it was like in the day when he said that. I don't know. I don't know. I know they didn't have TVs, DVDs. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't have Xbox. They didn't have iPads or iPhones. They didn't have uh, MacBook Pros. They didn't have a Dell laptop. They didn't have sound systems. Stereo systems. They didn't have iPods. They didn't have Kindle books. They didn't have CNN online. We didn't have all that. 
They didn't have all that. How in the world? How in the world? I, 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 you know. What did, what did, what did we do in the evenings when I didn't have an iPad and I didn't have a laptop? What, what did we used to do? What did we do? I don't remember what we used to do. I remember reading a bit newspaper because that's all we had. What did we do? I can't imagine what it was that they had that could have choked out the life, the productive life within them. I can't imagine what they had. But if those, if that verse fit them, the love of pleasure, the love of riches, and the cares of this life. Is there anybody in this place that one of those three doesn't fit you? The love of pleasure, the love of riches, and the cares of this life. Is there anybody in this building that, that's not subject to one of those or more? Anybody? And Jesus said, you're not the, you're not the wayside ground that the seed fell on and the birds of the air stole it. You're, you're not the, 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 the stony ground that it, they grew up, the seed grew up quickly. But the heat of the sun withered it away. Neither are you the good ground that produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. You're the ground that everything looked good on the outside. It all looked good. The seed found ground. The seed grew up. The seed, the, the seed, uh, actually had wheat on it. It, it, it looked like it was ripening and mature. But there were, there were seeds of weeds that were still in the ground that were left there. That they grew up. But because weeds grow faster than good stuff, before there could be any real fruitfulness out of that life, it choked it out. Choked it out. I've had the Holy Ghost 54 years. I don't know. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter tonight. Whether you've had the Holy Ghost 54 days, 54 minutes, or 54 years. Flesh is flesh. And let me tell you something else about flesh. He He is not ever taking it away. If you're waiting to get spiritual enough that your flesh is never going to be an issue, then you are deluded. He never promised to take it away. He never made any commitment to take it away. He never ever said he would take your flesh away. He would never, he never said he would take away the power of your flesh to influence you if you let it. He did promise if we walked in the Spirit and lived in the Spirit, we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He did say that. If When you figure out how to do that 24-7, would you please tell me? Excuse me if that's uh, disturbing for you, so be it. If you can figure out If you've got it all down, how you can live without ever being influenced by your flesh 
would you please tell me, I've been trying to figure that out 54 years. I don't have the answer to that yet. But I tell you what, I'm slowly, and I say slowly, not because I'm stupid, but because I'm strong-willed. I'm slowly, slowly coming to something. That it's not a one-time event. That it's not something that happens once, once and done. That it's a daily thing. And some days it's an hourly thing. And there are some days it's a minute by minute effort if you're truly not going to come under the influence of your flesh. Months, years, or a decade or two or more. I'm real close to the end of all this. I don't want to have come all this far and not make it. I, I, I do believe, Pastor, that the hottest, worst part of hell is going to be reserved for those that went so far but didn't make it across the line. That, that, that lived so long but didn't make it across the line. I don't want to be the guy that doesn't finish the race. But I'm here to tell you something tonight. If you think coming to church two or three times a week, maybe giving a little lip service prayer hurriedly right down the road on your way to work while you got the news playing in the background or some, something else playing in the background, if you think that or cracking your Bible open occasionally is going to get you there, I'm here to tell you it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. This, uh, this, uh, John 7, 37 through 39 is some of my very favorite verses. And, uh, I, I, I especially love how literal they are, how specific they are. And because I don't have the time to go into the depth of all of this, I'm just going to hit a couple of high points real quickly just on this verse as the establishment in advance, God who calls those things are, as are, that are not as though they were, and He tells the end of a thing before the beginning. He tells us in this verse, before anybody ever received the Holy Ghost, in verse 30, in fact, verse 39 says that what He said in verse 37 and 38 wasn't possible right then. Verse 39, but this spake He of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So therefore, this is prophetic. He was telling us in advance what his desire was. What his intention was. What his plan was. He was telling us in advance. What his goal was for us. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of... His belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm preaching tonight the necessity of outflow. I'm preaching the necessity of outflow. Out of. The complete word study dictionary says the words translated here, living water, means this. 
living water, quote unquote, means the water of running streams and fountains, as opposed to that of stagnant cisterns, pools, or marshes. Wikipedia says that concerning stagnant water, as obvious as this says is to us, water stagnation occurs when water stops flowing. Stagnant water can be a major environmental hazard. I'll apply that to you scripturally. The lack of flow in your life causes you to be stagnant. And that is a major, major threat to you spiritually. All kind of stuff breeds in stagnant water. All kind of negative things happen in stagnant water. And if that's a hazard to to us naturally because of stagnant water environmentally, it's even more of a threat to us spiritually when living water that's supposed to be living, flowing, moving within us is stagnant because we don't have Time for it. We're too involved in in one or more of these pursuit of pleasure, pursuit of riches, or the cares of this life. If any one of those three is your priority over and above having a flow in your life, you are out of the will of God. I don't care if if the thing that is that is choking you was given to you by God as a blessing first. If you turn the blessing into your God, you turn the one who is the source of joy into making his blessing the source of your joy, you're out of the will of God. You're missing it. You cannot have a flow in your life. You cannot have a free flow in your life. If you're giving yourself first and foremost to riches and pleasure and the cares of this life. You cannot. Therefore, you're stagnant. You're stagnant. Listen to the definition of stagnation. The state or condition of stagnating or having stopped as by ceasing to run or flow, a foulness or staleness, as one emanating from a standing pool of water, a failure to develop, progress, or advance. If your spirituality is no different today than it was next, than that last week, you're stagnant. If your spirituality, your commitment to God, your involvement with the things of God, your involvement with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is less today than it was a week ago, a month ago, you are stagnant. You're not going forward. You're not advancing. You're not developing. There's no flow in your life. You're dying. All the while that you're convincing yourself you're okay. I'm not pointing this finger at you. I'm preaching to me too. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's never been a time in my life that it was more challenging to have a flow. Because you see, when I was a pastor, I had to preach three or four times a week. And I had counseling sessions I had to do 
many, many days. And, and I had other, uh, all this other stuff going on it that I had to, I had to be there on top of it every moment because otherwise it, it'd get away in a hurry. And so when, 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 when I was going through whatever I was going through, whatever sorrow or difficulty or offense or whatever I was going through, the very fact that I had to get up here and I feared God and I feared not doing things in my own will, I knew I had to keep stuff flowing right and clear and all of that. But my life isn't like that anymore. It's feast or famine. I'm either teaching or ministering 20, 25 hours, 30 hours a week, or I'm home and I'm touching base just trying to see, take temperature or whatever. You know, just seeing how things are. Most of the time, just give a little nudge here and a little nudge there. And, and, and hey, let me tell you something. In that situation, it's really easy to accept not having a flow. It's really easy. Don't 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 get this thing where you're uncomfortable with me being open and honest with you now. I've been doing this 40 plus years. Ask anybody that's been around here. I got a lot of faults, but not being open and not being honest with people is not one of them. So here I am. I, 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 I'm trying to figure out how to stay saved. When I had preached this week. When I had preached for two weeks. I'm trying to figure out how to stay saved. When I'm just involved with meetings. Let me tell you something. You can have staff meetings that are carnal. You can go through the, 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 the business of doing the church business and, and you don't have to have a flow. You don't have to. You, you can, you can survive that. It's easy to go through the motions if you let yourself. But I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I don't want, I don't want to just have a flow when it's time to minister to somebody, whether it's one on one or whatever. I want there to be an outflow all the time. I want there to be an outflow all the time. All the time. I want an outflow. I want a continual outflow. The, the negatives to not having a continual ba- outflow almost are greater than the positives of having one. So you put those two together, the positives of having an outflow coupled with the negatives of, of not having one, not good. Not good if you don't have an outflow. Stagnant. Stagnant. All kind of stuff breeding. Check, check the smell of your spirit. See what kind of stinking attitudes are coming out of your spirit and tell me if you got a flow. Yeah. Stagnant water is a breeding ground for mosquitoes. And mosquitoes spread stuff all over the place. You can get malaria from a tiny bite. You can swat at that inconvenient insect and think you've dealt with it and not even realize that mosquito was bred and ground where the, where, where, where the germs of malaria is. And that little tiny bite, because it, it, it 
came and were birthed and, and came from a place of stagnation where somebody else's stagnation has bitten you. And now, now you got malaria. Check your attitude. Check your attitude about church. Check your attitude about your brothers and sisters. Check your attitude about leadership. Check your attitude about your wife, your husband. Check your attitude about, about other people. How you doing with forgiving? Let me tell you something. If you're str- struggling with forgiveness, you're struggling with flow. It is an impossibility to have a true flow of the Holy Ghost in your life and, and be struggling with forgive, unforgiveness. It's an impossibility. Without going into great detail, I believe in separation. I believe it's in this book. But let me tell you something. I don't care what what kind of wrappings you put on the paper. Or what kind of paper wrappings you put on stagnation. It may look spiritual. It may look separated. But if, if it's stagnated inside, it's stagnated. And it will reach a place that you can't keep the smell of that down. That smell will come out in your attitude. That smell will come out in your spirit. The word stagnate means to cease to run or flow as water or air. To be or become stale or foul from standing as a pool of water. To stop developing, growing, progressing, or advancing. To be or become sluggish and dull. Well, I just, I'm just going to make it through this service. Right? I just don't really feel like it tonight. I'm, I'm staying home. I, I deserve a rest. I just feel like, I, I, I don't feel like it tonight. Or, I, I, you know, did they have to sing another song? Can't we just, can't we just get out of here? Can't he preach a little bit shorter? I don't even know what he's talking about. Huh? I don't even know what he's talking about. Would he just shut up? I'd like to go home. I've come. I've paid my dues. You've seen my face. I'm here. Cross me off your list of people to be concerned about. I, I, I just want out of here. I want to go have some fun. I got a good book at home I need to finish. I, I, I've got a DVD I want to go watch. I, 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 I've been doing some, some enjoyable research on my iPad and I need to go do that some more. When you're looking forward to more, more to what you're going to do after church, than you are to what's going on in church. You can blame that on everybody else if you want to, but I'm telling you something right now. <laughs> Me having a floor or not, it's not up to you. If I've got a floor or don't have a floor, that's not up to you. The preacher can't produce that. The singing can't produce that. Nobody else can produce that. The preacher can't hinder it. The singing can't hinder it. Nobody else can hinder it. If I've got a flow, it's by my choice. If I do not have a flow, it's by my choice. I have chosen to accept living without the flow of life. The flow that brings life. When I choose that, and I settle for religion, because let me tell you something, friend. There is no flow in religion. In fact, religion, religion 
uh, it, it, religion actually gives credence to and endorses lack of flow. Just keep the rules, fulfill your obligations, and you're okay. No. No. Religion produces death. Religion is stagnation. Jesus. Jesus, help us. Flow produces life. Pastor mentioned last Sunday night about the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. I, I, I've used that too also, but I think it's been out of town. I don't know if he's ever even heard me talk about it. But I have, and I, I heard that when he said it last Sunday. I said, boy, what an example. So I, I decided that I, I want to look at this a little more detail. Just, just exactly what is the difference between the two. First of all, the, uh, the Sea of Galilee is, uh, according to Wikipedia, they're the authorities, I guess, right? You have to buy Britannica online. Wikipedia's free. So, who cares about all those great scholars? Just give me Wikipedia, right? It's easy, cheap, free, right? At 211 meters below sea level, The Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. I did not know that. And the second lowest lake overall in the world. Guess what the lowest one is? The Dead Sea. So get this. The Sea of Galilee isn't up at some level elevation. It's not some mountain lake. It's pristine, fed by snow and springs and all that. It is the second lowest altitude lake in the world. It's the lowest freshwater lake, the second lowest in the world. But there's only one lower, and it's the Dead Sea. The contrast between the two is amazing. They're both on the same river system, the Jordan River. They're within a few miles of each other. But one, one, this, this article says, has been fished commercially for over 2,000 years. It's only 33 miles long. It's not a big body of water. This isn't the Mediterranean Sea. This is a small body of water. That has been commercially fished for 2,000 years. You would have thought by now they'd have fished that thing out. Here in this country, if you've got lakes that size, you have to stock them. The Sea of Galilee has been commercially fished for 2,000 years. Ah, but there's a problem. The Sea of Galilee is now being pumped by Israel. Excuse me, yeah. It's being pumped by Israel to supply the water of all those big Israeli coastal towns. So the water level in the Sea of Galilee is going down because the inflow is not matching the outflow. But the problem is there's three kinds of outflow with the Sea of Galilee. There's the, the, the two kinds that God created the third kind that man's created. The two t- kinds that God has created is the outflow of evaporation 
And that's a vertical outflow. And the outflow of flowing out of the Sea of Galilee back into the Jordan River down to the Dead Sea. So there's a vertical outflow and a horizontal outflow and God created both of those. But here's the problem. As long as God was doing it, the lake always had plenty of water in it. The sea did. It, it, well, actually, the book of Luke calls it a lake and uh, the other others call it a sea. But now man's pumping the water out of that to handle all those people that are living out in the desert where there's no water and, the, and, and it's coming down. The water level's coming down. Well, guess what they've discovered? That deep, deep in the Sea of Galilee, there are salt-laden springs that up until now, there'd always been enough fresh water that kept that salt water pushed to the bottom. And so, therefore, the salinity of the of the uh, uh, Sea of Galilee even though it's always been a little bit on the salty side, not totally fresh. It was, it was always low enough that life could be supported. But now there's a problem. Man is pumping so much water out of the Sea of Galilee that the effect of those saltwater springs in the very depth of the Sea of Galilee is changing the saltiness of the sea. And there's already been some species of fish that have died. Because you see, no matter how spiritual you are, there's always stuff down deep inside that God put there. And if those things can overpower what's going on in your life otherwise, they begin to change your character. They begin to change your ability to support life. While God had it by Himself, there was always more flow in to the Sea of Galilee than evaporation. And the natural outflow from the Sea of Galilee, uh, they, they could support, it could support it. There was always enough coming in supported. It kept that layer of salt water way deep so that the, the amount of mixture only, only affected the Sea of Galilee just, just to a point and never to the point it couldn't sustain abundant life. But when they started unnaturally pumping water out in a flow that God did not sanction and did not plan for that allowed for that stuff in them that he's not taken out of us to either die or raptured. It allows, it's allowing that to work its way up in the, the ecosystem of the ecosystem of the Sea of Galilee. And they're very, very concerned. And here we are. The Lord has planned for evaporation in our life. Brother Libby's preached the message for years. As the vapor goes up, the vapor comes down. And there's a scripture that says that, right? 
that vapor going up, that outflow is prayer and praise. Don't forget that part. That, out, that, that, that outflow, that evaporation is prayer and praise. It's a vertical flow. It's a vertical flow. And as dry and as arid as all of that area of the world is, there's always evaporation. Always evaporation. Evaporation is a good thing. If there weren't evaporations from the oceans of the world and the, and the great seas of the world, there wouldn't be clouds and there wouldn't be rain. And there wouldn't be underground water and there wouldn't be springs and streams and rivers. There wouldn't be life. Evaporation is a good thing. Evaporation of prayer and praise going up produces the blessings of God coming down. Not always directly on us, but they eventually get to us. They eventually flow to us. Do I have to interpret every bit of this? But when man gets involved, it creates a different kind of flow. When man gets involved, it creates a flow that siphons off all of that life-giving water to use in a way that wasn't the way God planned for that lake to work. That allows all that stuff down inside. That that, that life-giving flow that God planned keeps all that stuff down. And, it, and while it may be there in the deepest part of it, and he's not taking that away till it's over with, it doesn't impact us negatively because there's plenty of water to keep it all down. And the flow that God plans, both evaporation, prayer and praise, and the other flow, the horizontal flow, all of that, it works perfectly. And the Sea of Galilee has produced livelihoods for commercial fishermen for over 2,000 years. Fruitfulness. Life. Life. Fruitfulness. The good things of God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, and who is no variable, is neither shadow of turning. It's all perfectly balanced by God. If we just let it work His way. But oh, friend, let me tell you something. There's a whole bunch of us with an entire system sucking the life right out of us. We've got this living water flowing to all kinds of stuff. We've got it flowing out of us to support all kinds of activities in our lives. Not all those activities are wrong. It's just time consuming. It's not a flow to God. It's just not a flow to God. It's not a flow he's involved with. It's a flow that bypasses his plan. And while that alone is bad enough, here's the thing that you don't realize right away. It's decreasing the ability of all that God has put in you to keep those things that are human nature, that are fleshly, of the fleshly nature, to keep them suppressed so they don't come to the surface and do damage in your life. Well, people have to be able to drink water. Yes, I'm sure they do. Yeah. And, and the Jews have turned Israel into a, a veritable garden with irrigation and all these other things. That's wonderful. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not here passing judgment on it. I'm only using this as an illustration. Okay? 
But the point is, that's the case. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest place on the surface of the earth. Everything flows into it. The main tributary flowing into the Dead Sea is that portion of the Jordan River that's south of the Sea of Galilee. So all natural water has minerals in it. So when you buy that bottle in a water, of water in, in a plastic, you, you may be getting water that doesn't have toxins, to, toxins in it, but you're not getting pure water. Pure water's tasteless. That has no odor, has no taste. Pure water does. But all these different places sell this water. It has that's what those the water from those different places have different tastes because they all have different minerals in them. Well, there are minerals in the water flowing into the Dead Sea. But there's no outflow. Because it's at the lowest place on earth and one of the most arid places on earth, it has one of the highest evaporation rates anywhere. You ready? Are you ready? If evaporation is a type of prayer and praise, and I come in here, and I let evaporation take place in my life, oh, I praise God, and I pray and worship God, but there's no other kind of outflow in my life. I will eventually die. While I come and practice my religion and allow the evaporation process of prayer and praise to work in my life, let me tell you what it does. Because because there's no other way of outflow. There's no other place for all those minerals to go. You take the water out and the water goes out but the the percentage of minerals in the water can constantly is being refreshed at a very high level. So much so that it's no longer able to sustain any life. That's the peril of the religious. While they convince themselves they're okay because they give lip service to prayer and they come and go through the motions of praise, All they're doing is participating in the evaporation which only brings death in their lives that much faster. There's got to be outflow. There's got to be outflow. Vertical outflow is not enough. There's got to be a horizontal outflow. I've got to be involved with caring about somebody else other than myself. It can't be all about me. Whether I pray or praise, 
or not when the focus all becomes about me and how wrong I've been treated and how terrible my life is, how much I'm being rejected, how much I'm not fitting in, how much people don't like me, don't love me. I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody here that cares about me. Uh, there's, nobody, there's nothing here for me. When it becomes all about me, even if I didn't have the vertical flow of pretend prayer and pretend praise that evaporates the water leaving the minerals behind, eventually it would come to that anyway. I'm not preaching to one person here. Well, yeah, I am. I'm preaching to me. You're welcome to listen in. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know about you. You, you, you. you nod your head, wave your hand, whatever. You can say whatever you want to. You don't know your own heart. I don't know my own heart. But I, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'm preaching to me. Well, I, I you know, I don't get to preach here enough. Or I, I, don't, I don't have enough. I, I don't have this. I don't have, you know, I, I, I can tell myself all kinds of stories. I can believe all I want to. I can make all the kind of excuses I want to make. But God has created a system that works. God has created a system that works. That keeps my life fruitful. Yes. Keeps my life fruitful and keeps my life fresh. There's, there's always a renewing going on in me. There's always stuff coming in and there's always stuff going out. And it's going out horizontally and it's going out vertically. And, and as long as I keep taking in and giving out both those ways, I can't take in and I give out. As long as I'm doing that, it works. The system works. You're in good shape. You're going to be all right. You, 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 your life is going to be fresh. Your life is going to be full of life. Life! But if I mess with it, or I don't participate in it, if I alter it to suit my flesh, I've messed it up. It's not working right. It's not working right. You know, you may get with your friends, your buddies, girlfriends, Y'all might laugh and joke and have a big time. And in those occasions, you can convince yourself everything's okay. But you hear, hear me right now when I tell you this. How you act when you're other people, with other people. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a life that has joy and peace and righteousness. When you're absolutely alone. When you have purpose. When it's not about you. It's about others. It's more blessed to give than receive. That's the same way as saying the necessity of outflow. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to minister to somebody else. I've made this statement recently. I think I was talking to the, the interns. Might have been the young people. I don't remember. 
The greatest blessings of my life have not come when I've sought to receive something in. The greatest things God has ever done for me, to me, through me was when I was simply letting Him flow through me to somebody else. Those are the greatest blessings of my life. Those are my, those are my most momentous times in my life. Those are the times that have meant the most to me. Those are the times that have had the most impact on me. Not when I was trying to get Him to put into me, but when I was trying to let Him flow through me. The love of pleasure stops up that flow. The love of riches stops up that flow. The cares of this life stops up that flow. It stops it up. I've got more responsibility and purpose than I've ever had in my life. I have more people expecting more stuff from me than I've ever had in my entire existence. And I appreciate the fact that the Lord has trusted me with the kind of influence, responsibility that, that He's given me. But I'm going to tell you something. There's no amount of purpose or position that can substitute for having a flowing, living relationship with God where He's able to do through you what He wants to do. I've talked about this before in the Scriptures I read earlier. Jeremiah 2 and verses 12 and 13. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. First evil. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters. And hewed them out, hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. A cistern is a, is a container, usually some kind of tank or rock hole that's been dug out, whose purpose is to hold water, to retain water, but it does not have its own source of supply. The mouth of the cistern is the only way that you can get water into that cistern. And you pour water in it, and you hope you use it before it stagnates. The Lord never intended for His people to be dependent on an external supply of water. said, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. A fountain is a spring or source of water. It's the source or head of a stream. It's a source. It's a source. What does this mean? This means if you have a fountain of living water in you, it's, it's not a well in the sense that you, you have to drop a bucket in. It's a constant flowing source of water within you. There was never any intent by God when He talked about us being filled with the Holy Ghost to communicate that He was making us containers. 
That's what a cistern is. It's a container. It's a container. Listen, listen to what a, listen to what it means to, to contain. The word contain means to hold or include with its volume or area, within its volume or area. To be capable of holding, to have a capacity for, to keep under proper control, restrain, to prevent or limit the expansion, influence, success, or the advance of. I don't care if you're a cistern and you're full of the Holy Ghost. It's about control. It's about containing. It's about assuring that nothing more done or happens to you than what you can control. It's about you having the Holy Ghost. Which is exactly the opposite of the Holy Ghost having you. Another dictionary says the word contain means to hold or be capable of holding or including within a fixed limit or area. There is such hypocrisy in being filled with the Holy Ghost. With the way that we talk about it as Pentecostals. There is such spiritual arrogancy with it. There is such pride in it. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And the way we say it. And the way we mean it is that we're a container. And, and we have, we're full of God, but we're holding it. And we're controlling it. And He's not doing anything through us we don't want done. There's nothing coming out of me that I'm not willing to let come out. My choice. My choice. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm full of it. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I can feel good about myself. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how you know you're a container, not a conduit. Listen to the questions you're asking. Why me? Why did this happen to me? Listen to the questions. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why isn't this happening? Why is this going like this? Why is this not going like this? Listen to the questions. A container. Reveals their attitude as a container. Because their favorite questions always have why as the answer. Whoo, that must have been on target because it got quiet in here. So I'll say that again. Let me tell you the favorite question of a container. I don't care how much you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And you can be full of the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues all day. That's evaporation. 
You can be full of the Holy Ghost and dance like I got no hope of dancing. I'm just watching. I've been watching close tonight to see if those guys that were dancing around here on Saturday were dancing around here on Sunday. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. You, you can be full of the Holy Ghost and do all that stuff that only God knows the real motive of your heart, whether it's religious or relationship. But when the attitude starts coming out, you, you, you can be, you can be a container and have the gifts of the Spirit. Because your motive for being used is to glorify yourself, not the benefit of somebody else, and not to the glory of God. Same gifts. You can read people's mail. You can prophesy. You can talk in tongues. It's all gifts of the Spirit. All operated out of a container that's full of the Spirit. But you see, a container always reveals it's a container. The attitude it has toward God when it doesn't like the way things are going. That's what Jesus said to John, to the messengers of John the Baptist. Blessed is the man that's not offended with me in the way I run his life. That's why Paul said, here and do exercise myself daily to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and man. Because let me tell you something. There's a whole lot more people offended with God than even come close to being willing to admit it. And some of us have been offended at God a long time. Because he let this happen. He didn't stop this from happening. And he didn't cause this to happen. He didn't make this go the way I wanted it to. You know how much I prayed for that? And he didn't do it. And here's the, here's the rest of that. That you see, it's all implied. It's called, uh, <laughs> it's the implication. After all I did. After all I gave. After all my service. He let that happen. Control. I'm in control. I want to be in control. I'm a container. I'm a container. And when you put the infinite God into a finite space, it's not God that makes the finite space infinite. It's the finite that makes the infinite God finite. You just limited him. You just, he, his, 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 Eternal nature doesn't take our finiteness that where the attitude is, that bottom in the container that makes the container, that self, that human will, that self-control, that want to be in control, want God to be your boy. I need stuff, Jesus. Here's my list. I'll, I'll check back with you this afternoon and see how you're doing. I got a spiritual flat tire. I called for roadside assistance, Jesus, an hour ago. Where are you? This is my son. I love him. I love him. 
That was the other one tonight, if you don't know it, that was my son also. To this day, there has never been a conversation between me and either one of those boys. Would you please stay here and help me? Never been that discussion. Questions never been asked. Answers never been given to an unasked question. If they're here, it's because God wants them here. If they're not, if they're not going to be here, it's because God doesn't want them here. I'm not going to get in the way of either one of those. If you think, and he, I know he understands this and won't take this the bad way. If you think I gave up being the senior pastor of this church, which for me, as much as anything, meant that pulpit being mine. If you think I gave that up because this is my son, you don't have a clue who I am or what I'm about. I was two months shy of being 60. I ain't sick and I ain't dead. And I'm not retired. And if I, and if, if I'm not in this pulpit, there's only one reason I'm not in this pulpit. Because it's the will of God. It's the will of God. Frankly, my flesh doesn't always like that. Has nothing to do with Him. That always was my pulpit. See that? That always was my pulpit. Let me tell you how he works. Doctor said the baby was going to be born 26th of May. I was praying. I, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. A lot of signs and whatever. And I'm, I'm praying. I said, Lord, you know, you know I want to be here. So when's that baby going to be born? He never said, but I just had, I just had this peace, this assurance that he, he wasn't going to be born for the 7th of May. And I prayed about it. And I kept giving it to God. And I prayed about it. And I had peace over that. And I had some opportunities, uh, some invitations to Arkansas. I felt like the Lord was dealing with me about. When I made a commitment to the first one before I knew it, I had five of them. Different places, different situations. Just it, it, my, my, my week filled up. Different places. Different situations, different opportunities, different types of ministry. Plus, there were individuals I, I knew I was being sent there to minister to outside of church services. Well, I'm supposed to leave on the, the Monday that was the last, no, it was the next to the last Monday of May. The last Monday of May was on the 30, uh, of April was on the 30th. And the previous Monday, I guess that would have been the 24th. I'm scheduled to leave on the 24th. Kate's having contractions and all kind of stuff. My wife said, what are you going to do? Well, let's see what happens here. So finally, I I prayed and I I told her and I told Joel and Kate. I said, now, if your water's broken before I check in for my flight on Monday, I'll, I'll stay here for the birth of the baby and then I'll go to Arkansas. But... If I get my ticket and I get my boarding pass, and your water breaks after that, I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, okay. 
So I go to Arkansas. Nothing. It's just normal, same stuff, whatever. Tuesday morning, I get a call. This is it. When you coming? I prayed. He said, you're not. I told her that. I, I, I can't come. She called a couple of different people. Talk to him. He needs to be here. <laughs> guys, guys, call me. What's going on? Aren't you going? Can't go. What do you mean you can't go? I was told I had to stay here. But that's your grandchild. I know. And this will be the only birth out of seven that I've missed. But I was told to be here. And I'm praying and I'm tore up. I'm crying. I'm praying. I'm trying to get see if the Lord will change his mind. And all of a sudden, I had this feeling come over me and I heard this little voice. I, I had this feeling come over me and I knew I'd been set up. By Jesus. He, he never said the baby wasn't going to be born before the 7th of May. But he gave me peace. And so I make all these arrangements. And all these doors open. And let me tell you something. Every one of those. The Lord did some awesome stuff. I'm getting reports back of churches and, and individuals whose lives were changed. But that was, this is before that. This was on Tuesday before that really got started. So here I am. And I've been set up. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, I tested your faith with your first grandchild. And I'm testing your submission with the last one. He was almost a week old when I saw him the first time. That's the difference between being a container and a conduit. You want control? The only kind of flow you'll ever have other than evaporation is overflow. Overflow. You squeeze a container, you get overflow. What's being accomplished? Other than that flowing down my arm all the way up into my coat. <laughs> What's being accomplished by that? Hey, look how powerful it is. Look at that overflow. Boy, they're full of the Holy Ghost. Look at the overflow. Yeah, you got overflow, all right. You look so spiritual. But you're still a container. Your will is still involved, and you're still the one making the calls. Let me tell you how you can know that you're the one in control. When's the last time you asked God to bless something you're doing? The moment that request leaves your mouth, you just confessed. That it was your idea, it's your deal, and you're wanting him to bless it. Because the blessing of God is in the DNA of everything, it's his will.
I don't have to ask for it. I just have to find his will. I don't have to ask for the blessing of God. God, I don't have to ask God to bless what was his idea in the first place. If I find his will and I'm doing his will, he's automatically going to bless that. But if I, everything in my life I'm having to ask his blessings on, I'm in charge of. And it sounds spiritual to pray your little prayer. Oh, God bless this and God bless that. And all you're doing is condemning yourself out of your own mouth. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Watch. Watch the overflow. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Accomplishes nothing. Except y'all worried about the spots it's going to cause. If it spots, I'll pay out of my own pocket to get it fixed. How about that? Now we got some spots to see if it's really going to work. Where's your knife? I need the bottom out of that. See that? That's just been cut. It was a painful experience for this bottle. All of that, all of that that was the resistance. Everything that defined the limit on this container was cut away by conviction. By the dealing of the Holy Ghost saying, I purchased you. I bought you with a price. You are not your own. You don't belong to you. You belong to me. If I want you empty for a while, I'll bless you with emptiness. Because hear me right now. When he blesses you with emptiness, you got nothing left to hold him with. When he chooses for you to go through a season of dryness, when he chooses for you to sit around a little bit empty, it's intended to intensify your desire for his flow. It's intended. It's intended to cause you to seek him until he is willing to flow through you again. If you're willing to live without flow so you can be in control of your life, I'm not preaching to you. It's not doing me any good or you any good to listen to this. So get your phone out, play on it or something. I'm not trying to be unkind, 
But if you're determined to be in charge, if you're determined to be in control, if you're determined to say what's good and bad, what's yes and no, if you're determined to run your own life and call it spirituality, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. But if there's something in you that says, I don't want to know a finite God defined my, by my desire to contain and control. But I want to know an unlimited God defined by the amount and the rate of flow that He wants to put through me. To do that, giving up control is a simple thing. Not my will, but thine be done. Not my way. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. Your ways are above my ways as high as the heaven is above the earth. I don't have to understand. Just give me your peace. As long as I have your peace, I don't have to understand. I don't have to be able to explain it to anybody else or myself. Just, 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 just let me know that I'm in your will. If there's nothing flowing through me right now, just let me know that that's strictly by your choice. That it's not, it's not because I've disconnected myself from you. But if I'm connected with you, Jesus, then the amount of flow or when it flows or how it flows is all up to you. Didn't take much. I don't know if anybody up here had another knife, but I knew it would be sharp. Surely, man that plays with knife understands conviction. Because that's what the knife does. The Bible calls it the circumcision of the heart. The cutting knife of circumcision cuts away the extraneous things in our lives so that we become focused on the real, on the important. Is it wrong to have money? No, as long as that's not your, your love. Is pleasure wrong? Then why would he give us any ability to have pleasure? It's the pursuit of pleasure. It's the place you put pleasure. Now here's, here's the problem, okay? There's too many of us in this room. We're so self-righteous. I'm not after pleasure. I'm not after riches. But you're a worrier. Full of fear, full of worry, totally troubled by the cares of this life. Hear me tonight. Worry, fear, anxiety is a direct manifestation of a desire to be in control of your life. It's an unwillingness to say, here I am, run it how you want to run it. Naked I came into this world, naked I'm going out. Whatever you give me in between, whatever you take in between, is your business. Just let me be a conduit. Just let me be a conduit. I believe in prayer. I believe in praise. I believe in talking in tongues. 
I believe all that is very, 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 very scripturally, spiritually important. But all of that is just between me and Jesus. But He doesn't want what's between me and Him kept to myself. There's got to be a flow. There's got to be a horizontal flow. There was a whole lot more water that flowed out of the Red uh, the, the, the Sea of Galilee that... Uh, that flowed out of it horizontally than ever flowed out of it through evaporation vertically. And here's the deal. Oh my God. It's the same God. The same Holy Ghost. The same God, the same Holy Ghost that flows out of me vertically in prayer and praise is the same God that flow the same Holy Ghost that flows out of me horizontally when He's ministering through me to somebody else. But the volume, the amount is so much greater. I know people, good people, good Holy Ghost filled containers that they're prayer warriors and that's all it counts. They're preachers and that's all it matters. They're Sunday school teachers, and that's enough. And I'm usher, greeter, musician, singer. Oh, that's enough. It's enough. Good people. Couldn't function without them. But hear me. If all of your flow is vertical, There's no way that you're not going to become stagnant. Because even the Dead Sea has a vertical flow. In fact, it's the only flow that the Dead Sea has. It's the only flow. Let me tell you something. Hear me. I'm about done, I think. But listen to me. When you're going through it, you got problems facing. You're facing troubles and problems and difficulties and situations. We think that the way to get ourselves through that is through prayer and praise. We think that. Well, if I pray enough and I praise enough, I can work my way through that. And you need to. But it's never going to fix the problem. If you're waiting for your world to be perfect... And you for, for you to have all kind of convenient time to finally get involved and make a commitment to ministry and be involved with people. Leading a care group or teaching Bible studies or doing outreach or whatever other methodology you may need to be involved in that God may call on you to do. If you're waiting for the perfect time and the perfect life to get involved with that, when your schedule's a little better, you got a little more money in the bank. Everything's working okay for you. And there's no trouble in the home. You're missing the point. Well, I, I'm not qualified to do that right now. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm distracted by a lot of stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's the good excuse. Except I'm not buying it. But it doesn't really matter whether I buy it or not. God's not buying it. Well, I'm really sick. When I get well... Wow, what are you going to do when you don't, if you don't get well? I'm okay with what it costs me 
to not be a container, but to be a conduit. Father, we love you tonight. We don't love you like we need to love you. We don't love you like we want to love you. We certainly don't love you like you want us to. But we do love you. And while all of this seems so hard sometimes, so difficult, so such a strain, such a puzzle, such a mystery, while it seems so very difficult to accomplish, you had it all mapped out in advance, you had it all planned in advance, you know all about all of it. You know my tomorrows. You know my life next week, next month, next year. You know the day that it's appointed unto me to die. You know the day. Father, we need you tonight so desperately. You have a plan. You have a way. Help us to know and understand and believe that if we follow your plan, everything's going to be all right. That if we follow your plan, we will have, we will have life abundant. Maybe not the life we plan, but such an abundant life that it will so far exceed our plans. That we can truly say that you are good and you are just and you are right. I pray for myself. I pray for these precious people here tonight, Lord. I pray that somehow, some way, we would open our hearts, our spirits, our minds to your word and to your spirit. That you would let us You would enable us by your grace to listen. And not just listen, but to hear and receive. To believe. And to trust. And let you be God in our lives. That we might become all that you have planned for us to be. All that you've designed for us to be. All that you want to do in us, to us, and through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God.